I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar Fans. For Cougar Fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Hour number three is off and running here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's January 14th at KSL News Time, 2.05 p.m. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte at KSL Broadcast House in downtown Salt Lake City, Utah. BYU football is going to have an interesting year in 2023. So much new, Matt. Jaron Hall, gone. He's off to the NFL. So who replaces him at quarterback? It's always a big question every year. I think the most asked questions we get from fans when we're just you know talking with people going to win what time's the game <laughs> who's going to be that quarterback and honorable mention what channel is the game on that's that's fair yes <laughs> ksl news radio uh yes tv channel too but quarterback is a big deal to byu football fans and the man that's going to be leading byu's offense in 2023 is usc and pit transfer keaton slovis and i caught up with him earlier in the week to discuss his new transition to byu Welcome back into KSL News Radio, your legacy home of BYU football. And we're joined now by the newest BYU quarterback. Comes in from Pitt and USC. He's Keaton Slovis. Keaton, welcome on into KSL News Radio. Excited to have you on board. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I got to ask you, Keaton, what were your initial thoughts uh, of the response from Cougar Nation to when you committed on Christmas Eve uh, to BYU? Just maybe. The, the reach from Cougar Nation after your commitment? It was awesome. Um, you know, I've, I've been through it a few times now. I think um, when I committed to USC at the first time, I was kind of a smaller crew, unheralded, and uh, didn't get any response probably, if, if only negative. And uh, the response was good. But, I mean, the, the response here, you know, 
was so much bigger than I could have possibly anticipated. And I was kind of told that, you know, the, the reach of the fan base, how big it is, how much they care about football. And um, it was really exciting and, um, you know, felt, felt really, really welcomed. And, um, you know, it was nice to see, too. I had an interview a while back talking about how great the fan base was and, um, you know, different environment was playing Provo and everyone kind of, you know, brought that back up and, and talked about how great it was I was playing on their team now. So I was excited to be on that side of the the game too yeah that that was a i thought that was a fun interview and i thought it was you know that one you had after in 2019 or after your experience there because you know i've i've been around byu football my whole life and i'll tell i tell people all the time it is different but hey if you lean into it there's a lot of positives too when it comes to to byu and i'm sure cougar nation is thrilled to have you on board you brought up you know when you were coming out of high school uh you didn't get much fanfare when you initially committed to usc if i'm not mistaken you only played like two years of varsity football at Desert Mountain and in high school in Arizona, uh, you know what was what was your when did you start playing football? Because I believe you're a, a basketball guy too. Yeah, yeah, I grew up playing fo- football and basketball. Really, basketball is my main sport. My dad didn't play football growing up; he's a basketball guy, so he got me playing basketball early. But um, you know, I played a lot of flag football. Then when I was in like sixth grade. Uh, my mom finally let me play tackle. Um, but, yeah, I, I was really just stuck behind the three-year starter at, at Desert Mountain, my high school. So, as a sophomore, um, he was it was his third year. He's a senior. So, I think you know, I think I was good enough to play, but just one of those things you had to wait your turn. And um, luckily, that junior year was a good one because it allowed me to kind of get some, some attention to, to, to go play college football. And, you know, what uh, what was it about football that really appealed to you that, that made you want to stick with it? Um, there's a lot of things. I think <laughs> the other main thing is there's not a lot of 6 two you know, basketball players who can't jump. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing. Um, but also, you know, I think it fits my personality more. I think playing quarterback fits my personality. My dad always says, like, basketball is a one-on-one game. Um, and I don't think that really fits my personality. I think I'm more of an analytical player. Um, you know, I love the prep. I love the grind. I love the off season. And, um, again, that's kind of what football is all about. You spend so much time prepping for, you know, 12 games, whatever, 14, 15 games, however much it may be. And, um, I think, again, that kind of fits in my nature. And, um, you know, I love it. I really just ended up loving it more. Keaton Slovis is my guest here on KSL. How would you summarize, Keaton, your your first four years in, in college football? Because just as a, as an outsider watching from 10,000 feet away or whatever, I mean, it just, you know, at those times at USC, it was a, it was a unique time with, with the Trojans, it felt like, because – the fans at, in, in Troy were just, no matter what, they weren't happy. Uh, they were they were frustrated with everything, it seemed like, during that stretch. Uh, I, I'm curious, what was that like to be QB1? And, and then, of course, your one year at Pitt, just maybe the uh, recap the, the first four years in college football for you. Yeah, you know, you know, at times, you know, very frustrating, like you said, because, um, you know, shoot, at times we'd win and it'd be, uh, people would be frustrated because <laughs> they want a different outcome almost. Um, but, um, you know, I felt like it, sometimes you couldn't do it the right way. But I think the biggest thing I took away from all that is, like, you can't listen to the outside noise. You have to do what your coaches are telling you and what people inside the building are telling you um, because, really, that's all that matters. Um, so I think I learned that the hard way. And uh, at times, you know, probably got caught up in that media attention too much. But my biggest takeaway is, you know, regardless of all that stuff, you get to play college football at a big-time level at, at multiple different institutions. And, and that's what I'm really grateful for. And I, I'm excited to do it again and uh, take big – BYU to the Big 12, and um, again, regardless of, of how, you know, first four years went, I'm just really uh, grateful to have that opportunity, and I you know, hope to go play football for a very long time and hope to have a great year this year. I got to ask, that one year at Pitt, how challenging was it to go from, 
kind of an air raid offense to a pro style. And then, you know, at months into being at Pitt, you find out you're not going to have your wide receiver one and Jordan Addison. How, how tough was that? I mean, just to, uh, the, the transition, was it tougher than maybe you expected? Definitely, definitely. I think, uh, you know, that was one of the reasons I transferred is, you know, really just was the situation I kind of committed to uh, at the time. Um, but then, you know, again, like like I said in the last last question, there's just going to yeah. be adversity in, uh, in any situation, and you have to kind of find a way to, to, to address it. I'm still really proud of the outcome of that, so that year. We went 8-4, but, yeah, um, you know, big changes, um, big personnel changes, and, again, you got to handle that weather the storm, but that's what football is all about. You'll have personal changes just being by with the new team at BYU now. Uh, you, and you know great wide receivers. I mean, you've thrown to some, so many good ones. Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Vaughns, Drake London, Michael Pittman, you know. I mean, but for our listeners, they to give them a familiarity of who you've been throwing the football to over your career, with your time at BYU and the, and the opportunities you've had to communicate with the current players, uh, you know, who's maybe impressed you in this BYU receiver room that you've been getting some work in already with? Uh, really, they all have. You know, I think that's the biggest biggest thing about this um, this receiver room is that you know they they're really big, they're really strong, they're really physical, and they make contested catches. I think as a quarterback, it's your best friend when they can kind of win some balls for you. Um, you know, I'll make the ones that are easy that you get open on, but if there's ones you know a go ball that you can go make a play on, or you know if that defender's playing it well, but you can still make a catch, that's really good. And um, again, really just the excitement. You know, I'll say Cody Epps, like <laughs> he he called me. As soon as I got here, and um, I was like, "Hey, man, anything I can do?" He picked me up from the airport. It's so, like just the excitement from those guys. But again, like on the field, you see a lot of exciting stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to get to work with them. As says, you know, the guy like Cody gets healthy, and um, you know, I just I just get cleared and able to to go on the practice field and know our, our offense a little bit better. Much has been made about your your uh, already like before you even committed, you were already making some inroads, communicating with these guys. Uh, you know, now that you're, you know, official BYU Cougar, how how often have you been communicating with guys like Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill uh, to get work and also Isaac Rex too? Yeah, yeah, I really just texted all those, you know, three, four guys and told them I'm coming. And, you know, I really just got into promo yesterday. I've been moving in, so I've been able to meet a lot of them except for Cody in person yet. Um, but again, looking forward to doing so, and kind of told them, "Hey, when I go, we're, we're going. Um, um, so be ready." So again, we have some logistical stuff, some meeting stuff, some medical stuff this week. But you know, I'm pretty sure let me go on the practice field whenever I want. So <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to go into the building today, meet with um, Coach Roderick, and start learning some of the offense. And then shoot, if they want to throw today, I'll see if they're available. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what our schedules look like for the first day of class. Will the work include another offseason of the 10,000 pass Joe Burrow regimen that you had at Pitt? Oh, definitely, definitely. And that's the other thing, too. I think, you know, that's great um, to get, you know, that passing regimen down. But you really have to understand the offense as well as possible. And um, I kind of look forward to, you know, having command of everything and having everything. You know, the offense has been run, same offense for the past three, four years now. So to be able to kind of step in the situation um, and learn it. You know, in this next few weeks, it's going to be really exciting. You bring up A-Rod. Was he the first point of contact from BYU to you, or was it Kalani, or was it Matt Mitchell, one of the analysts, or was it someone else? Uh, who was that first line of contact from BYU? Uh, it was A-Rod, I think, um, probably shortly followed by Matt. Um, yeah, I think it was all of them. Um, just or not just those two. I mean, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, A-Rod actually came out to visit me while I was still in Pittsburgh because I had finals, so um, – that went really well. 
think we aligned really well. And, you know, immediately I was like, man, like this is a guy I really want to play for. Same talking to Matt. Um, just guys I feel really comfortable with. And um, I think also like really understand my skill set and think, um, you know, think I can do th- good things with it. Oh, I wanted to ask you too, Keaton, because there's a rich history at BYU uh, with the quarterback position. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you've worked with one of those guys that's been part of that history, John Beck, at 3D QB. But I'm curious, you know, ha- from anyone – in the BYU quarterback fraternity, have they reached out to you to maybe give their support since you announced your commitment? Um, no, I haven't heard from any of the older guys, but I have, uh, you know, again, heard from from Jaron, and he was awesome, you know, kind of giving me some context and some information inside the building, um, which really pushed me to push me to feel good about my commitment. Mm-hmm. I think I talked to him the day before. Um, so um really really talking to him helped and again john was a huge part of the entire process and um again made me feel comfortable i, I really you know love talking to Aaron and matt on the phone and but kind of have him talk about you know how, how great they are as well um and the personnel and all the stuff because he knows the program pretty well um definitely helped um kind of an unbiased individual can help who also knows a lot about the program so uh, between those two that was mostly most of the contact what from BYU's offense that Aaron Roderick has do you feel fits your strengths? Um, a lot, of, a lot of deep passing attack, a lot of inter- deep intermediate throws. I think, um, you know, and again, they're going to throw it a lot and get the quarterback in a rhythm. I think that's really appealing to me. Um, but again, I think um, just allowing the quarterback to make those throws, uh, to improvise when he can, um, again, fit all my strengths and. Um, you know, it's a very similar offense to, to all the offenses that I've kind of been in. So I think even just watching the introductory tape with them as they were kind of recruiting me, I was like, man, I know this play, I know this play, I know this play. Um, and I like this play. I like all those plays. So um, I think all of that, too, familiarity and reps have already kind of been developed um, to some extent. It's just a matter of, you know, finding which ones that work for us and, again, them finding which ones I'm the best at. Last thing for you, Keaton. Again, appreciate all your time here. Uh, uh, you know, I know it's year year one for BYU in the Big Twelve, and it's your final year in college football. I know it's tough where we don't even see a schedule yet because the Big Twelve we're still waiting on that. But just maybe, what can fans expect? Uh, do you feel from you as you kind of get? I know you're, it's unique because you're getting uh, into the building today. But uh, what what can people expect from from you in your one year here in Provo and? And at BYU. Yeah, I think the biggest thing and, and another reason that kind of transferred here instead of any other place was, was just the excitement and the energy. Um, you know, A-Rod said himself, he's like, I want to play for Big Big 12 championship. Um, and that's kind of the energy I want to play for because I want to do that too. And that's uh, that's exciting. You know, some other guys are a little bit slower to get get ready to go or, you know, oh, we're okay. We had some success last year. We've had success before. No, no, no. Like, this is, uh, you know, a, a coaching staff and, and, a, and a player, a group of players, I think, at least from what I've observed, that's that's really hungry and um, knows that this is a huge year for us. That's, you know, again, like you said, it's still early, still out, you know, a long ways away, still haven't been in the building yet, but that's kind of, I wouldn't be here if that wasn't where I wanted to be doing. He's Keaton Slovis. He's the new QB1 for BYU football in 2023. Keaton, best of luck uh, in, in winter conditioning. That gets started this week then, or is, is it a week of school to get acclimated, and then next week winter conditioning? I think we have like one day this yeah. week, but it really starts next week to my understanding. Okay. But again, I'll get, get more info as you go on this week. <laughs> You'll learn all that, but uh, best of luck and uh, pleasure talking to you, Keaton. And uh, again, uh, wish nothing but the best this season, and uh, uh, we'll talk down the road.
Thank you. Appreciate you having me. That's Keenan Slovis, BYU's QB1, heading into 2023, coming in from Pitt, USC, as a grad transfer. One year left in his college career. Good stuff there from Keenan Slovis. We have to take a break. On the other side, we'll, we'll share some thoughts on, on Slovis, the quarterback room in 2023, and then coming up a little bit later, Tim Lacombe talking to BYU Hoops here on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. Man, it has been a loaded show, and if you've missed any of it, you can go into our podcast feed, Cougar Sports Saturday. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we get to show up there on demand. We've had the two newest quarterbacks for BYU football on the show today. We just heard from Keaton Slovis, your conversation. That was excellent. We had Jake Ratzleff earlier. So, uh, Ratzlaff, actually. i gotta, yes, yeah. I got to pronounce that. Ratzlaff, not Ratzleff. Always one of my favorite things in June, getting the almanac to get the pronunciation. Yes. It's always awkward asking an official pronunciation with a with someone because... Yeah. Though I will be That's doing our, it... Uh, we're, a, we're sticklers for that. We want to get them right. I will be doing it with the new defensive line coach, though. I'm just going to say, Puha, I'll do it. I'm pretty sure that's I'll what it do is. It. It's not. If you look at it, it's Pauha. Pauha. Yeah. Pauha. Because okay. there's an apostrophe, so you've got to break that up. Pauha. Pauha. That's Polynesian pronunciation. Yeah. I'm just thinking back. Now, if he wants to pronounce it another way, I don't. I don't really give a rip. But yeah. it's fun. It's just like yeah, I get you. Hey, look, I love Hawaii. <laughs> I love the islands. I love going there. Like, and when you see like the sign, hope, hopefully you get there soon. When you see the signs around. It's crazy, like Kamehameha, uh, Kahuku, like there's no weirdness about it. You say every <laughs> syllable, that's the way it is. So that's why I really struggle with Pua, because it, it does not look like look, that. I'm probably wrong, because I'm probably going based off of... He wasn't, they said Pua at the arena Thursday night. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm going off the Brent Musburger 04 Fiesta Bowl. Pua! Like, it's just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm making the great mistake of... Trust in Brent, even though I love Brent, he's one of my uh, heroes in uh, broadcasting. Anyway, uh, you know, we just we always want to get the pronunciations right. Yeah, we, when Kingsley signed last year, Suamataia. That's correct. It's that's, but that's we did our homework. You just pronounced every syllable in the name. That's that's the point yes. I'm trying to make. Here. Yeah. So it is. Uh, you know, BYU football, the quarterback room. Uh, they will have, even though there will be some tough uh, pronunciations with uh, Retzlaff and uh, maybe Sol J. Myava Peters for some. Uh, There'll be some tough decisions, too, I think, as far as shaking out how the whole depth chart works out. If you had to do a way-too-early depth chart, what does that look like for coming out of spring ball? Like, What do you think the depth chart will look like in the summertime when spring is concluded for BYU's quarterback room way too early from you? Slovis, one. Yeah. Uh, Retzlaff, two. Finnegan, three. Is it kind of just a, a, a lock to you that Retzlaff's two? It is. I'm not running off Finnegan. It's just, here's the thing. Slovis is only playing one year, Mitch. Yeah. It's his last year. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can bring him back. So what do you do the next year? Whoever is the number two is going to be the odds-on favorite to win the right. job next year. It would be crazy to have Finnegan as the backup all year, and then he doesn't get a yeah. chance to be the starter. So, honestly, I'm really interested in that number two spot because that is the pole position for the starting quarterback after Slovis. Yeah, I think that will be interesting. I, I'm, I am curious, too, about how Soljay fits in all of it as well. I just, I think... I don't think he fits at all, and, and really? he, he probably earned it. I just... 
what we saw in the bowl game was unique to that situation because you had extra time to put in this funky offense that BOU doesn't run. <laughs> yeah. I, I, How do I just, you fit Soul J into what we saw from Jaron Hall? I just think that you win a bowl game, you deserve a chance to compete. I agree. And, and be maybe in that, that top three potentially. Well, maybe. I just wish that he had run the off, the BYU offense I, in the bowl game. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, he, he's he's got a unique skill set. I hope that he gets a chance to play. I love your wildcat package idea. Because he can throw it, too, out of it. It doesn't have to be only run. Well, he, and A-Rod has done it in the past. Remember with Jaron in 2019, him and Zach, they'd be on the same field at the same time. I, I didn't look great with Jaron. Soljay, though, I can get down with that. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. you can have kind of like can create Kasem value in 2012. Him. where And he threw out of that. That's If they're going to put in the package, though, got to have a throw out of it, too. So it can't just be only run because when Taysom threw for that TD against Washington State, that was pretty legit out of the Wildcat. I'm ready for football, Matt. <laughs> we, we have, have a long all. way to go. I know. We got a storm coming up. Then we got <sighs> Groundhog Day. It's probably going to be more winter. Then there's spring oh, football. Man. I can't wait for spring football. Can, can I just say, too, I just want that Big 12 schedule so bad. Like, Brett Yormark, Bob Berta, the director of communications, please release that schedule. Please. Just, I beg you. I will do anything. Are we going to be Big happy or sad when it comes out? Oh, happy. It can be the toughest schedule if on the face of no the earth. you get no Texas, no Oklahoma, you're oh, happy. It's, it's the Big 12, baby. The St. Intermurals, no, Matt. I'll be disappointed. It's the Big 12. They- Intermurals, come on. Dan Hawkins, you know what I'm talking about. That yes. comment, this ain't intermurals, brother. It's the Big 12. <laughs> this is Cougars Board Saturday. we got to take a break. Tim Lacombe on the other side next. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars by 20. Every Saturday, all year long. Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans, it's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday. we got 30 minutes left here in the show. We're going to... Pivot now back to basketball as BYU Hoops is in action tonight. Returning to the Marriott Center, hosting the Waves of Pepperdine, and that will tip at 7 p.m. Pre-game starts right here on KSL News Radio at 6 p.m. And it's a big game because Pepperdine is is a he's a winless they're a winless team in the WCC. So if you can get back to your winning ways against the Waves, right the ship after a tough loss to Gonzaga. Right now we're gonna get up to the phone line and bring on our good friend. Uh, and co-worker, Tim Lacombe. Tim, thanks for joining us, man. What's going on, y'all? How are you? Uh, hey, we're doing great. Uh, would have been a little better with the win against Gonzaga, but uh, I, I still keep thinking about that game, Tim, because it felt like BYU had it in the bag and it just slipped away. What was the most difficult part about that loss from your vantage point? Well, I just, you know, first of all, I just think from a coaching perspective, I thought Coach Pope, had those guys, he and his staff had those guys so ready to play. Um, you know, you don't get those opportunities, and I know what's eating, you know, because we went through it ourselves. It reminded me of a game we had against Baylor years ago in here, um, and they were a, a really good team and had a ranking by their name, and we played a game where we were, you know, toe-to-toe with them, kind of got out in front, and 
um, you know, they, we just couldn't finish the deal. And it really, that's what it felt like. It was a play here, a play there, but man, to, to, you know, go out there and do what BYU did the way they shot it, man, they shot the ball so well. And, and when Jackson hit that shot, put them up 10, you know, I thought for sure they were going to kind of ride that wave, but, uh, Gonzaga is as good as they are for a reason. And, They've done it a couple times this year already, coming back from double-digit deficits, and they just don't ever panic and they don't ever quit. Coach, you are giving me instant flashbacks to the days of Matt Carlino. That was the debut game for Matty Ice, I believe, right? I Baylor think game. it was. I mean, dude, I'm so old, I can't remember what I had for lunch. <laughs> Baylor had Perry Jones and Scott Drew in the early days of that era. Yeah, that, that was a. It's not often when great. Uh, it's not often when uh, teams come into the Marriott Center and come away with a win. So credit the Zags for pulling that out. That is a testament to that program. But, uh, you know, Mark Pope's trying to build a program, uh, you know, continue to build up this BYU program. Do you feel like what they've shown so far through 20 games is is reason for for optimism going forward, as I know that BYU's trying to build towards the Big 12? Well, you know, I mean, Mark knew, and he talked a lot about it in the beginning there. I think he's, you know, the term is new and young, and it's really true. It's um, you know, there's only really one way to go out there and and compete, um, and it's with talented guys and experienced guys. And um, certainly, BYU's got a bunch of talented guys. The experience piece together is what they're working on. But there's been some tough spots in the season, um, but every season has tough ones. But I've been really impressed with the way they've bounced back. You know, their resiliency, the way guys have you know struggled and continued to fight through and. A guy like Rudy Williams, you know, I don't know if he'd make it through some of the early stuff, um, but now he's huge, and he was making plays in that game uh, the other night. So it's a process, it's a journey, and and it's hard. It's really hard to do. It's hard to win games. Um, but I've been impressed with the way that, that this team's fought, and again, the way they're prepared every game. seems like, for, you know, I think that's one area that the staff does a great job of. Uh, is preparing their guys for play. Tim Lacombe is our guest, and you can hear him before, during, and after every single Jazz game. Does a great job over on the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, hey, you post a picture eating dinner with Mark Few on your on, on your Twitter feed the night before, and I love what Mark Few said after the game. I thought was really cool and and a really good testament to what BYU has done in the WCC. Just thank them for helping them push them to get better and and get to deep Final Four runs. Do you think this is a game that should be played every year, even though they won't be conference foes anymore? No, I mean, it would be cool if it could be, but I, I just know how that works. It's so hard uh, to fix you know, a schedule that's going to make sense. It's going to challenge you enough, but there's also going to be uh, you know, enough games that you feel like you can win. And I don't know if it'll be right away. I mean, I'm rumbling still that the Zags are still in the Big 12 picture here and there. So you just never know um, what the future holds. But one thing I do know on both sides of that rivalry, there's a ton of respect. It was always that way. Um, you know, the three times we beat the Zags up there, which didn't happen. I mean, it just doesn't happen. They were telling me that at dinner, you know, just how talking about different moments in the, uh, in the series and, just being up there and knocking them off their perch there when they were number one, um, you know, they were all kind of just chuckling, like nobody would come in there and do that. But even with all that said, there was just always a real healthy respect. And amongst coaches, like when we travel on the road, 
those are guys we kind of gravitated toward. And, and since I've been out of the business, I mean, it's been one of the cooler things when, you know, I've got hundreds of friends in coaching. And so when they come through Provo or, you know, play Utah, Utah Valley or, or go up and play the U or, or play down here, that's one thing I try to do is reconnect with, with some of the great people I got to meet during that whole time. Coach, one of the, the quotes that you last time we had you on, I, you said something that always has stood out to me uh, when it comes to the WCC I'm sorry, race. dog. I don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> the WCC race, sometimes in a league with Gonzaga, it's like chasing ghosts. And it's tough because BYU's playing some pretty good basketball. They've only lost two conference games, yet it almost feels like because the Zags never lose to anyone not named BYU or St. Mary's, you're in a spot where, you know, so you can maybe ask, like, what, what are you chasing at this point? Is it all about just building the march? It's, it's kind of a tough spot when you have a few L's in a tough league in, in the WCC. Well, and, and I'll go back, and I talked about this a bunch, but you know, we, and when I say we at BYU, when, when Coach Rose was there, and uh, you know, we were the winningest program in the Mountain West Conference, and so for all intents and purposes, we had built a mystique amongst a group of schools that, you know, by virtue of our excellence over a period of time, you know, it was really hard to come into our our joint and win. And conversely, when we went out on the road, there was a whole healthy level of respect. Um, you know, we knew we were going to get people's best shot. It wasn't always an event when we went to the pit. It was always an event when we went to Laramie. Um, hell, it was an event when we went to Fort Worth, you know, because most of the BYU fans would come out. Um, but, but at the end of the day, that little transition right there, we lost a lot of steam. Um, and we went into, I'll never forget that LMU first game in the LMU. And I came around the corner, and I thought it was a prank. There was no one in the gym. And it was our first conference game, and we got we got beat our first road sweep. I mean, we got beat in – it never happened to us. We got beat at LMU and Pep. So we were just knocked off our kilter a little bit. We didn't know where to travel. We didn't know where to stay. We didn't know where to eat. And, and everybody, you know, hey, excuses. Oh, okay, all right, whatever. But at the bottom, bottom line is that was a, a major hit. And we lost a lot of uh, street cred, and it was sad because it was right at coming off the heels of the Jimmer deal when we really should be digging into that. So instead of talking about what we'd done in Sweet 16, we were talking about having to play in gyms the size of Lone Peak High School, you know, and that those were literal quotes. So the, the WCC was for better or for worse. Uh, it was. I don't think it was the best thing in the world for our basketball program. I think it was actually really good for the WCC, and I think it was great for Gonzaga because, to their point, they didn't lose much, um, you know, against teams, but they they were able to come into the Marriott Center and be tested like they'd never been tested before. And so I thought that was really huge. How, uh, you know, maybe satisfying has it been for, you know, guys like yourself and Coach Rose? Because I know you keep in touch with Coach, and it was great to see him on on Thursday night as well. Uh, just maybe the the excitement from guys that have been part of that program and, and had so much success to see BYU basketball uh, getting ready for for the Big Twelve next year. It's just amazing. It really is. It's um, it's a testament to a lot of people that have gone through there. Um, you know, I I actually began going there as a kid. I sat up at the top row of Portal S, um, and it really meant a lot to me. And, and I know. You know, the teams that came through that played for, uh, you know, in my my day, Frank Arnold and 
Liddell and Roger Reed, um, of course, Cleve and, and Dave and now Mark. I mean, a lot of amazing players have rolled through there. A lot of guys trying to uh, bring the program along. And, man, those tickets all just got really cool. <laughs> because you're going to be having, uh, a, you know, NCAA tournament team roll in every night of league. I and mean, it's really, in, in essence, what that is, what that means. And it's going to be a heck of a challenge. Um, but I know BYU's up to it. And the leadership's solid. And uh, and Pope's a, he, he's such, he, such a great coach for this time because I think he can, um, you know, I think he can navigate that. Last thing for you, Coach, and, and we're, we appreciate your time. You've been generous with it. How difficult is it with Pepperdine in the Marriott Center tonight to get right back to play after a tough loss? You referenced that that Baylor game where you guys had it and just couldn't finish it. How difficult is that quick turnaround? Oh, they're brutal. Um, because the bottom line is if, if – and I know because I watched their team and the way they compete. I actually went to practice last week and watched the way that they, the attention to detail, the teaching that goes on, really, really great. But above all else, they're competitors and they want to win. And they had, you know, a, a nemesis on the ropes and they did not finish the deal. And after that, it's almost like a nuclear winner for about 12 hours. <laughs> you don't hear anything. You, you see remnants of people walk by you, but you don't really, you can't really process. And then the very next day, you've got to be in the mode, forget it all, and prep for another game that counts exactly the same in the standings, right? Um, but you've got to be ready to play it. So, dude, I'm telling you, I don't expect a letdown. Pope's teams don't play like that. They'll go out there and play really hard tonight. They'll, they'll win, and they'll get back on track, and, uh, the thought I had when I watched that game, honestly, if that's, this team could get on a roll, you would not want to play them in the tournament. Um, they got a lot of length, a lot of size, and it's just a matter of getting it to click, right? So stay the course, and that's the most important thing, stay the course. He's Coach Tim Lacombe. You can hear him tonight on Jazz pre- and post-game uh, for the Jazz Radio Network on the KSL Sports Zone. Jazz are going to be hosting the Philadelphia 76ers in – now the, the Delta Center, at least coming up on, in the summertime, that'll be really cool. It's a newsy day for the Utah Jazz. Pretty cool, by the way, Coach. What do you think, real quick, before we get out, your thoughts on, on the Jazz going back to the Delta Center? I've been calling it the Delta Center for <laughs> 20 years, so, so I'm actually glad that I won't look like an idiot, <laughs> although I am one. You know, I, I'd like to at least have people have to get through three sentences with me and understand I'm not really smart. <laughs> well, Coach, we appreciate the time as always, and uh, have a great call tonight. Again, pre and post uh, Utah Jazz versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Coach Tim McClone with Jake Scott on the KSL Sports Zone. we got to take a break, and we'll put a bow on the show with the hurry up coming up next. Welcome back in. Thanks to our friend Tim Lacombe former BYU assistant coach who has moved to the dark side with us. Radio host, <laughs> baby. He does such a great job over with Jake Scott he on does. the KSL Sports Zone Jazz pre, half, and post. And love having him on, man. He just has a great perspective as one who has coached in the WCC and has coached in a lot of big games. And uh, I thought it was really noteworthy that he said, and he used the word brutal, to reference what is going to take place tonight, just the turnaround, the the disappointment of having Gonzaga, that win, it was in your grasp, and it slipped through your fingers, and then 
you just have to forget about it in the blink of an eye. We talked about it the whole first hour. Yes. They have to put it in the in the trash can and, and play a Pepperdine team that is seven and eleven, Mitch. 0-4 in WCC, but Coach Pope did refer to them as maybe the best offensive team in the league post game after the Gonzaga loss. So it, it is a challenge, not because Pepperdine is gonna threaten to win the league, <laughs> but because of what happened Thursday night and then Gonzaga or Pepperdine, excuse me, they do have some guys who can shoot the ball. So if they go scorched earth on you, they could win. I will say I feel good about BYU in the locker room this year. I've said I've stayed consistent with that. And I feel because of that locker room, maybe chemistry that this team has, they will bounce back. Last year's team, I don't think they do. I think they would have rolled over and died yeah. uh, last year. Uh, this team's got a little more fight in them, and I like that about this group. And it is it is one of the things that I do feel about this team, even though they're not. this is not going to be a spectacular year for BYU Hoops unless they rewrite the story in March. Uh, I, I just like their, their fight. They rise to the occasion. They make every game interesting, I will they say. Do. Man, it doesn't matter if it's Weber State, it's Idaho State, it's Utah, it's Creighton, it's Gonzaga. It goes down to the horn with this team, and uh, maybe that's what makes this game so interesting tonight because on paper, Pepperdine's terrible. 0-4, ever since they lost Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards a few years ago, Lorenzo Romar's teams have just been bad. Uh, But Pepperdine's got talent. They recruit pretty well at Pepperdine, and they get some good transfers, but uh, they don't win, and they're 0-4. And in the Marriott Center, you shouldn't lose to Pepperdine. So, and if you do lose, Matt, uh, this that loss to the Zags on Thursday could roll quickly into a four-game skid because yep. next week is Santa Clara and San Francisco on the road, and those two teams took Gonzaga to the horn. So this is a big game from that standpoint, too, because you look ahead, next week is a bear for BYU in the West Coast Conference slate. One thing that did bring me optimism from re-watching the Gonzaga loss, and I'm curious to see how he uh, continues his performance tonight against Pepperdine. I thought Gideon George played one of his best games of the year. Well said. He was great defensively. He was clutch down the stretch. He had five points. After he picked up his fourth foul, he goes out, he returns, quick five points. Uh, I thought Gideon George played great. If he can play like that, 15, 17 points, seven, eight rebounds, play good D, take care of the ball, that changes things for BYU because he's been a little up and down. But if you can get that 15 and eight, and there's not some costly turnovers in there, that's big for this team. And I want to see how he bounces back from a loss, but a good performance against Gonzaga. And that's the type of performance for him, individually speaking, where he can be in the G League. And then when you get in the G League, maybe anything can happen. I don't know if he's an NBA pick. I don't think I feel pretty confident saying he's not an NBA pick. But I think if he puts performances like that on a nightly basis – that shows the value of all the NBA workouts he was getting. He got about five workouts last summer. That's valuable. That's that's experiences that uh, I think where, where a lot of people were expecting him to uh, translate to a, the big jump this year. So we'll see what happens tonight. BYU Pepperdine tip off at seven, pregame at six here on KSL News Radio. So do you think BYU is going to win? They're going to bounce back. I do. I, I think BYU wins by ten. I, I think BYU gets it done, takes care of business, and it's a business-like effort and a nice win. won't be a memorable one, but it's one that I think will, like, you look back and go, that's a nice win bouncing back from a tough loss. I think it's a win. If they win by double digits, I'm going to I'm gonna feel a lot differently about mm-hmm. that Gonzaga game because I, I am worried about the hangover. That is – you weren't there, but me and Nate were prepared to get on the floor. You were still on media row. Yeah. To go from p- rushing the floor yeah. to walking out wondering what happened, that's 
hard. BYU students were ready to rush, too. They were streaming down. I mean, that's really hard. It's different to have a chance to win and you don't win. It's, but when you had it won and you lost it, that's entirely different. So if they can bounce back, that will tell me a lot about this team because it's not going to be easy. Already game number 21. Season's flying by, and before we know it, it'll be the end of February, and then we're going into March, and it's March Madness, and we'll see where that thing goes. I will say this. We talked about before in the show prep. I'm okay if, if BYU has just some you know pedestrian season and regular season. Let's see some damage in March. Like this is a this is a game where it shows the character to build towards March. Where you go to Vegas, you showed you can hang with the Zags. Let's see it done in March. Yeah. I want to see BYU deliver in March. That's that should be the goal and the mindset for this team is that they build towards March because anything's possible in that month. All right, we got to get out. Great show today. Thanks to our producer Nate Slack for Mitch Harper, Matt by Montana Board Up, Eric. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.